Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One day in the pub, Seb and Verity were socializing with hilarity. They knew there and then that their options were vast. They bought some equipment and made a podcast. What do you think you are doing, you twits? It's cliched and obvious, you know. If this doesn't work well, then we'll call it quits. But right now, just listen to our show. Seb Philpott. And I'm Verity Simmons and this is Three in a Bar. Yeah, Three in a Bar. It, it always <laughs> is Three in a Bar. It is. Um, one day I'm gonna we're gonna find out that actually this is This American Life or... Uh, oh my god, imagine. Maybe, imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or what's that one called? Or Serial. Wouldn't that Cereal, be great? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Imagine if that's what I, we are. <laughs> and then I'd be like, why well, I haven't got anything prepared really. It's like what an anxiety dream, isn't it? Oh Terrible. God, imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're live on the Today programme. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'd sound like Boris in a press conference. Oh, awful. <laughs> hey, um, who have we got yeah. today, Seb? Uh, let me have a look. Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, she's coming. It's, um, it's Charlotte Harding. Oh, Charlotte Harding. What? You mean award-winning composer and saxophonist Charlotte Harding? No, it's a different Charlotte oh. Harding. Oh, okay. Never mind. Um, this one drives an HGV <laughs> for a living. But she's really funny. Oh, great. But we'll chat to her anyway. That's fine. Okay. Good. <laughs> well, it's um, a shame because I've got notes about the composer saxophonist. Oh, right. well, Can I go with the them? Other one, then? Great. Yeah, read that one out and we'll see what happens. <laughs> great. Well, she's from East Yorkshire for a start and she studied composition at Royal College of Music with Mark Anthony Turnage. Um, and when she graduated, she was awarded the Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, Rose Bowl. Which sounds lovely. I'd like one of them. Wow. <laughs> In a display we didn't ask cabinet. Her about that. I know, I, I wish I had. <laughs> um, highlights during her time at the RCM included winning the RCM Concerto Competition with her work Fuse for Orchestra and Drum Kit and writing Fliot Fanfares, I hope I've said that right, for the visit of HRH Prince Charles in 2012. God, she had a regal time there, didn't she? Yes. Wonderful. Has she got any kind of decoration after her name? She uh, hasn't yet, that, but I tell you what, it's, it's, it's got it's on must be on his way, mustn't it? With all be, this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, she's got the Rose Bowl. Um she's <laughs> done loads of collaborative work, so with people like the ballet boys, who are awesome, aren't they? Yeah. Um and they are. 
and also I think she's worked with them a couple of times I think she says and she worked with Para Orchestra which is how I knew her first of all doing right, this yeah. awesome piece called uh, it's, it's a reimagining of Craftwork Trans Europe Express which I think Charles talked a good bit about but oh so good and I've put a link to it in our um yeah. in our show notes it's definitely worth a listen uh brilliant see if there's anything else I was going to throw at you from this I mean there's so I, much I first uh well I mean it's funny I, I think I think I'm well we were at college at the same time actually oh, yeah. together briefly but I couldn't really remember if we'd actually met or not um and yeah and Charlotte couldn't remember either so oh that's okay then both, <laughs> we both really left an impression on each other. Yeah, um, exactly but um <laughs> I remember he- hearing her name um at Glastonbury last year when she was live mixing oh, the yeah. orchestra the, it was the power yeah. orchestra doing the um the Barry White show that's um, right yeah love the, unlimited the love unlimited symphony orchestra, orchestra yeah where where she was sort of mixing the orchestra as if they were a sim um what do you call it oh, sim- let me tell let me tell you because <laughs> oh i i use this i bandy this phrase around a lot in our chat don't i orchestral synthesizer i feel like i said it, it way too many times but she does <laughs> clarify what i'm talking about thank god yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so that that was cool watching that uh, last year. Yeah. Um and um yeah and and talking about um not being able to say words very well like like <laughs> I've just demonstrated here. Um what, what what there's one point where I ask a question and it take I have about three run-ups to it and uh, <laughs> I still don't actually get a proper question out. Um but I think <laughs> she was very good. She looked at all the words I'd said and then obviously rearranged it in her brain and then she came up with a very very nice answer but she um, did but it made me feel so much better because usually it's me asking the question maybe four or five times before I let them answer so I just sat back and enjoyed this moment (laughs) I know um but what had happened was I I, it would I'd just been up late editing one of the podcasts yeah uh, because uh, it was your fault, actually. Yeah, of course it was. It's my headphones, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I, I've just realised that I think I've I've had my earphone off just now, so I think I'm going to have to have a similar problem now uh, oh. with myself. But oh. that's just we're, we're learning with the technology, guys. Yeah. We, we are not professional um, podcasters, really. <laughs> if you hadn't noticed, if you hadn't think. noticed yet. <laughs> if I, we're not, we're no Joe Rogan over here. No, no, we're, uh, we're finding our way. But um, we'll get there. We'll get there <laughs> yes. in a way. Um, so anyway, um, that anyway, th- th- this is our chat with with uh, Charlotte. W- when did we chat? To it was about it was sort of May. Yes, end of May, wasn't it? That's right. Over Zoom. About, yeah, about, about five, four or five weeks ago. That's right. And, and she was um, in the sunny north at the time. Yeah, I don't know where she is now. Maybe she's uh, gone somewhere else. But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it was lovely to chat to her. And here we go. Let's let's go and. Uh, Go back to five weeks ago where we were chatting to Charlotte Harding. Charlotte, where are you spending these delightful lockdown days? So I am in actually sunny Yorkshire. It's very sunny. Yeah, so it was a little bit weird. I, I was in the process of moving um and so I brought a whole load of stuff up to my parents and was going to just stay 
here for a little bit in the interim and then they sort of announced lockdown and it was like oh extended Yorkshire mini break don't mind if I do <laughs> um so yeah sort of I'm gonna have a suspicious tan at the end of this because I've actually been outside quite a lot um but <laughs> that's great yeah. so yeah it's probably quite rare for a composer isn't it I know <laughs> yeah done so much work like <laughs> Composers and snooker players, very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Charlotte, that's not fair. (laughs) I'm I'm terrible at snooker, but... (laughs) And you're you're working on something really exciting at the moment, aren't you? I just heard rumblings that you're working with Onyx Brass. Is that right? I am, literally this morning. Yeah, Yeah, I've just sort of... um, getting together ideas for all and everything yeah it's cool i like i really like writing for brass like yes. I, I, so, yeah oh sorry said that was that sounds like i was really fucking up but <laughs> <laughs> really like those cellos and, and those brass instruments yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so doing a piece with them which is going to be really fun um they're amazing oh my gosh like oh, I, yeah. they've sent me so many um these really cool um clips online and yeah, I was trying to listen to sort of as much as of an ensemble as I can just to kind of get an idea of what their, their sort of vibe is. And yeah, it's I think it's going to be a lot of low grizzly trombones and grizzly tubers and amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Have they given you much of a brief for what they want? Is there some theme? No, not really, which is which is really nice. Like, I mean, it's 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 always nice, I guess, you know, when someone does have something in mind, but um but no, a blank canvas is always kind of kind of cool um yeah That's and good. i've been researching trumpet mutes this morning actually there oh. you go. <laughs> my google wow. search is weird <laughs> One minute. have yeah. you had any shocking discoveries about uh mutes anything would... <laughs> you didn't know before this is gonna be a good podcast right shocking discoveries about mutes that could be a whole <laughs> thing in itself um... <laughs> i didn't realize that you can get mutes where it's like two mutes isn't it sort of on one on top of the other. I can't remember what they called them. Um, but yeah, these like sort of twenties and thirties style sort of cut mutes oh, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, really like cool. Like a pixie mutes. There were yeah, there was one like or, that. I should try and find it. Hang on, I can't remember what it was called. There's um, one where if you get like a, a small version of a straight mute and then you do a plunger mute on top of that. Ah, no, yeah. See, this is like and that, that is gives you that that like old big band thing when yeah. you hear someone playing and it sounds like someone someone going. That kind of, that's a very that's good impression so. just <laughs> just sample him cut some corners could you just kind of it could be unexpressed featuring and then just you know. yeah <laughs> dodgy recording of seb um, yeah it's no. weird that that sounds really gone out of fashion you don't really hear that so much see i think i really love all those sort of sounds i like love I, it i love all yeah. the kind of flutter tonguey grizzly all of that like, i kind of really like it when you get a sort of texture to the note as well and you can hear like the play, yeah, it sounds more like speech, doesn't it? More kind of, um, yeah. yeah, more vocal. And I, I really like all that kind of sound. Like, I haven't actually told them this yet, but I, I think it's going to have a bit of a nice... <laughs> should probably it's... tell them this. But yeah, it's going to have a bit of a sort of 20s, 30s kind of New York sort of vibe to it. So. Oh, amazing. Yeah, doing That's... a bit of research about that. Um, my, I've got lots of pictures of 1920s New York on the go at the moment. Which oh, that's is very which cool. Is nice. Yeah. Uh, have you got a deadline in mind, or is it, are it quite free flowing? I think. Yeah, we sort of said July-ish sort of time. Oh, um, great! Which is nice. Yeah, I, I feel like I've lost all sense of time and space. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have a deadline. It's you know, it's so weird. I do, do feel like this like 
I think this whole time, I, I can't remember a time when I haven't had sort of a deadline to look look to, you know, for so long. And the, when all of this sort of started, it was that moment. It was like, hang on a minute, there's actually nothing to sort of, yeah, sort of quantify yeah. the time, which is weird. But um, it really is. I feel like I keep having to put self-imposed deadlines in because just yeah. otherwise <laughs> nothing would happen at any speed. Yeah. It would just be books of yeah. notes saying do this, do this and not doing yeah. them. <laughs> it's good that yeah. I'm, I'm such a to-do-list person though. Do you do that yes. when you write a list at the start of the week and then cross things off just to feel better about it and be like... Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've started um, writing a timetable for my day <gasps> just to make sure I get... Same. I did it yesterday. I, I was like, I've got like four different things I need to get done it's weird like when this whole started i had nothing on like everyone yeah. and then very quickly how you do suddenly get these sort of weekly deadlines that come in yeah. like suddenly we started doing this podcast it's yeah. like well okay i've got to do that every week now and then i've just started another podcast with my, <laughs> with my, band, with my band's old dirty bastards so i've got two podcasts going out every, <laughs> twice a week and then there's that we've started doing this thing where we, where we play um symphonies um along to each other on fridays at two o'clock we're doing oh, mile of five yeah yes. yes so That's so i was cool. like well i need to write make a poster and get that so there's these things that are suddenly in my diary which would never i'd never yeah, do before yeah, i'm yeah. probably not gonna bother doing when we go back to normal <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't know i was saying this to my sister the other day i so wednesday night is dance party night obviously on zoom yeah amazing I, of course what is life gonna be when i don't have my eight o'clock wednesday night dance party like <laughs> what that is something that, that should forever. stay yes do keep it forever that's excellent yeah. <laughs> Funnily enough, Charlotte, I've got a big note in my book which, when I wrote was writing things that I'd been looking at about you, which just says clubbing in massive writing. <laughs> you're <laughs> you're big into the old clubbing, clubbing, aren't you? <laughs> this massive club scene here in Yorkshire. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, is that a correct assumption? <laughs> not really, no. Not I'm really. very uncool. Yeah, no, I'm more like... Peaches and a cup of tea, if I'm honest. Um, I always thought that in your music, like when the things I'm listening to, I guess it's the whole orchestral synthesizer thing that I got from Para Orchestra. And and also the settings of so many of your pieces. It has a sort of clubby... There's often quite a clubby sound to it, like leading to a big drop and things. Or is that just absolutely coincidental? (laughs) No, I don't think that. So I think a lot of it is actually that... So my older sister is a drummer and... (gasps) You know how you're just like, I'm never going to be as cool as my older sister, so I, I want to be her. So I'm just going to keep writing music that I think sounds cool like she does when she plays the drums. I think a lot of it is that. <laughs> um, I just like beats as well. I think yeah. like I've always loved like um, finding beats and grooves and, you know, like doing things like writing pieces for drum lines and fi- weirdly sort of finding melody in, in rhythm um mm. i think there's so much so much to be explored with all, with all of that and um and yeah coming i guess coming from a sort of jazz background and pop and folkiness and and all of that yeah it's just it's got a groove hasn't it and then... yeah absolutely has <laughs> yeah it's quite i mean would you class yourself as more uh, as a classical composer if you had to put a title on it or do you prefer not yeah. to think of it like that i don't know i mean i i think I guess it's like everyone, isn't it? You sort of just bring influences from from everywhere. Um, yeah. And I, I, I mean, I came into classical music pretty late on, to be honest. I mean, I, as I say, was brought up playing in Kaylee bands and playing, oh, working nice. through the real book and, and all of that. And so I got to RCM and I was like, 
need to go to the library and listen to some things. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I mean, I, I guess a classical just kind of encompasses so many different things. And mm. yeah, I don't know. What would you say, Verity? Would you, <laughs> do you think I would? Oh, that's a difficult. I've said this to Seb before. <laughs> oh, that's a tricky one. I'd hate to say the wrong thing. A clubbing <laughs> one. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. I'm just yeah. going to put that on my Club, CV and be like, "Well, where do you think so?" <laughs> just saying that the i would say with specific reference to the craft work rework project yeah. that that was just like the most amazing thing where we were doing something that well like a sort of classical ranked or you know there were many yeah. classical players within it but it was in such a non-classical setup wasn't it so you know playing yeah. to a crowd so when it was premiered at the colston hall it, it was a crowd of people who weren't necessarily classical concert goers weren't they and yeah. there were it was like an amazing lighting show and it was this whole idea in fact i'm gonna to have to ask you to talk about this because i keep throwing <laughs> bandying around the phrase orchestral synthesizer but it'd be much yeah. better if you explained what <laughs> i was saying oh no it was an amazing project it really was i mean and, and i mean to be honest i'd sort of you know done a few things i guess kind of in that vein but nothing on that on that kind of scale so um yeah it was the wonderful charles hazelwood who you had on here mm. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, I every so often I get an email from him being like, had an idea. Listen to this. What do you think? Um, and it's always amazing. Um, and yeah, it was this idea of, of sort of doing uh, this piece, uh, a sort of reworking of the Trans Europe Express album of Kraftwerk. Um, and I guess putting together an orchestra for the 21st century, which is what the Power Orchestra is all about. Um, and so this idea that you know, I guess as uh, as a word, an orchestra is just a bringing together of instruments and ideas and, and, and people and, and what should that look like in the future and, and in the 21st century. And and this is what they kind of came up with. It, it was, yeah, a symphony orchestra, but with layers of synthesizers and, you know, drum kits and pedals. And and part of it, my, my sort of role in it all was um, they sort of close-miked all of the instruments in the orchestra um, put them into buses and then sent them back to the mixing desk so we were able to kind of manipulate what was happening live so sort of putting things through filters and um, adding delays and things like that which just totally I guess blows open again the whole orchestration process and you know what what it means to, to orchestrate in that way um, yeah. and uh, yeah and so this project was was kind of the first experimentation of this and I, I honestly feel like it's you know we're at step one of about 50 hundred like it's yeah it's the, the what you can possibly do with this as, as a model of and a way of, of orchestrating is is really really cool but um but yeah, yeah i mean i've i've always thought you know every orchestra should have drum kits in it and should have yeah bass guitars and electro harps and and all sorts and 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 the amazing thing about the power orchestra obviously is that um some of their members are using assistive technology and actually the, yeah. that technology it, i mean it's it's groundbreaking it's so you know, forward thinking and and just incredible. And as a composer, uh, it just gets so exciting because it's like, here's a brand new instrument that can do all of these amazing things. Like, you know, <laughs> what, what do you want to do with it? I remember me, me yeah. and Lloyd, the lovely Lloyd Corman, um, who was the other composer in the project, uh, we, we sort of had this R&D session where we just had this room full of synthesizers and all these instruments. And we both just came out of it a little bit like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> like, there's so much choice and there's so many things. Um, so, so yeah, it was it was an amazing piece to to sort of be a part of and and uh, 
Yeah, really, really fun. Your cello part was mad, wasn't it? Verity, oh, actually, when it was I think about so that. good. It really was. <laughs> it was immense. There was one one of the uh, movements where. I, at the end of it, I like had a hand like a claw because there were so many notes. But it was so no, it's great. It was so invigorating though that like you didn't um, feel. I certainly wasn't re- resentful of those notes. They were brilliant. That's, that's nice to know. You yeah. do worry as a composer. And like, you always have that like first playthrough, and then you're like, you just look at other musicians afterwards. You're like, are, are we cool? Are we good? Like, <laughs> yeah. Is that all right. Like, yeah how do you feel going into those first rehearsals is that is it nerve-wracking or yeah Yeah, I don't yeah I don't think it is it would ever not be I think there's always that (laughs) there's always that horrible moment before they first start playing it where you're just like what did I like what have I done (laughs) what what is this um and I do you know actually it was a really good piece of advice I um was very lucky to study with um Mark Anthony Turnage at RCM and um I always remember him saying to me, never change anything after the first run-through. Because obviously, first run-through, you play it, you're like, oh God, that's not what I thought. Or, you know, this side and the other and everyone's getting their head around it. And, and um, you're sort of really tempted to go, quick, change that, do this. And But it's really good advice just to let it sit, let everyone, you know, find their feet with it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely nerve-wracking. And, and I, I think as well, I don't know, like... I think I am always really keen to sort of know how the musicians feel about it. Like if, if everyone's not into it or it's not working or it's not sort of sitting right for everyone, I'd, I'd always really rather know as opposed yeah. to just, do you know what I mean? Like it, sometimes it can sort of feel very us and them and yeah. I don't know. I'm always like, can I just ask you a question? Just that <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually, do you know, I remember with that craft work piece, so the, the opening is just this mad like, I, I thought it could be kind of cool, seeing as a lot of electronic music is all based on the kick and the snare drum, to just have this big orchestral kind of kick and a big orchestral snare hits, these big hits. So um, I thought, you know, OK, well, we'll just find the grisliest way of having a big sort of kicky first first hit. Um, and then the whole piece kind of develops from there. And um, I remember the first rehearsal just thinking, oh, my God, that sounds so, like, angry and kind of <laughs> aggressive and... <laughs> And so then everyone plays it through and then there's that really awkward moment where everyone stops to have a cup of tea and they're like, you are right? <laughs> what's, what's going on with you, Charlotte? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's always interesting. <laughs> getting some stuff out. Getting it down the yeah. thing. Just getting it off the chest. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> so on the second playthrough, was it, was it different? Did you sort of say, let's try it a different way and then, and then yeah. it kind of worked better? I think so. Yeah, again... The excellent advice from Mark Antonich. He knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> very much so. Yeah, he's always like, the rehearsal is the best bit. And I think that's actually so true. Like, I remember when he first said that, I couldn't understand that. I was thinking, well, surely it's the performance. That's, you know, when it all comes together and that's when it's you kind of hear it. But actually, the rehearsal's cool because you can try things and sort of experiment yeah. and, 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 as I say, get people's feedback and input into it all and... Um, and I guess hear it in a different way. You've been hearing it your way for months or weeks in terms of writing it, and then finally you kind of get that feedback. And yeah, I really, I really like that process. Yeah, as you say, a lot of the really good stuff you're trying things out. It's it's a very different sort of headspace when you're in the rehearsal process. It must be fascinating to hear it and then to be able to just change things in the moment. I think that's it, and and things that you know as soon as as soon as you print it out I think as soon as you print it all out you suddenly think oh I should have done that and why didn't I see that and just do it um so yeah it's really nice and and it's always so lovely when you have yeah the musicians who are kind of totally up for that and and it's cool and it's 
I don't know. I've never liked sort of this environment of, oh, is it wrong or is it this or that? It's To me, I think you always are going to get a much better piece of music when everyone's engaged with it and involved with it and a part of it and, and yeah, make it their own in terms of performing it as opposed yeah. to a kind of, yeah, yeah. Us, and, us and them sort of thing. Is that a nice thing to, to give away um, an element of control to to musicians or a conductor or whoever it is um that you know because you, you can do so much when you're writing it on your own but then you're you kind of you have to hand it over and as a composer you hardly ever get to have any say in the performance of it in the moment do you unless yeah. you're doing a synthesizer live. <laughs> unless i'm there with my filter like no, yeah. yes. <laughs> unplugging everyone <laughs> yeah no no, i mean i think i think i guess because i was a sort of a player first um yeah and isn't it funny the things that stick with you actually this reminded me of something else i i remember my clarinet teacher i think i was doing like a grade two or grade three clarinet piece did all the notes that was cool and he was like okay well there's always going to be a 10 percent after the notes of of what you bring to it and like how are you going to make this you know sonata and d or whatever it was like how are you going to make it yours and sort of put that across in how you're playing it and it and that's actually something that's really stuck with me and i i don't know i'd, I'd like to think that I'd, i would always leave that 10 percent for a player to bring themselves to it and yeah. um and to sort of do something that they feel um yeah again just engaged with and, and sort of and it's, it's a dialogue i guess as opposed to just being like here are the notes and please do it you know like yeah. like that and and i say so often everyone comes out with really cool stuff that you'd never have known or thought of or realized was possible so i yeah i always just like like sort of leaving that little bit up to how it how it comes out sort of thing and that's um, lovely to hear as a, a performer like especially in a rehearsal situation because it sort of take it takes the stress out of it to some extent you don't feel like the immense pressure of i hope i'm doing it exactly how they want you know it's <laughs> it's good to have that 10% because and then everyone relaxes into it and you get much yeah. more from it i think that's I think great. so. Yeah, I think so. And and with, with the um the synthesizer idea when you're mixing live and you've um you've also orchestrated everything in advance of that as well. Um how do you decide what to um what what kind of sounds and and ideas that wait, on, what let me what am I saying? How do you decide <laughs> what to give the control over to <laughs> I'll, I'll just re-record this bit later <laughs> to make it sound really good <laughs> in a really um, suave voice <laughs> yeah yeah it should be a completely different sound quality <laughs> um, <laughs> how do you decide um what um the player gets to um decide how to play or what do you control so is that something like do you do you give the players as much um oh my god I don't what's wrong with me i think i didn't sleep enough today <laughs> <laughs> You're still talking about editing okay. from my point of view. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, do, do you um, you give them as much control as possible by, like, giving them, you know, dynamics and articulations and then allow them to make up the rest? Uh, is it that you put in the things that they wouldn't possibly be able to do? So things like uh, echoes and, and you know, loops and delays and reverbs, that sort of thing? Yeah. That's I a think... very long question. Yeah, I mean, I think... The way I kind of, I guess, I've got my head around it, and, and we've kind of done two projects now where, and um, we've done them in, in a different kind of way where we, the first time it was kind of orchestrated it as normal, I guess, and then layered things on on top. So, yeah. so for example, like I was talking about that kick and snare drum idea, 
I always really like this idea of a big delay sort of snare hit. So in the upper woodwind parts, um, I sort of wrote it in. So sort of, you know, one hit and then semiquaver sort of dying away afterwards. So you'd get that kind of, yeah, acoustic version of a delay, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But, yeah. Then, but then obviously when we're doing it live, we could then mix that and fuse that with an actual delay. So you're kind of getting then a kind of, yeah, acoustic version of it and electronic version of it, which which is kind of really cool. And yeah. um, I think, yeah, for me, it's, I guess it, it's just orchestration in, in dimensions, I think. I think it's made it, for me, sort of 3D in terms of how I can think about, you know, orchestrating a chord that might have a lovely sort of dynamic swell in the middle, but then if you add a kind of filter to that swell as well, you're adding, a yeah, just another dimension to the sound. And, and I guess, you know, live in that sort of scenario where it's coming out of the speakers and how that's blending with with other things, it's, as I say, it's, it's an absolute mind because there's just there's a lot of different factors it's 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 sort of learning to orchestrate again um i guess um but it's uh but yeah so then um i did this barry white project where we did a a similar sort of thing and this time i I kind of wrote the sort of manipulation into the orchestration a little bit more i think as opposed to just kind of layering on top of what i'd maybe already I already had um and that was really cool sort of knowing okay cool filter would sound really cool there like I can actually leave this acoustic and then I know that'll get a better effect with this and and so yeah it's 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 all these these layers of of kind of of sound and and how best to kind of yeah bring, bring that all out but it's it's really fun <laughs> it's yeah like, it's like yeah yeah it's a whole other dimension to it that that it's a side of things that, that in popular music has been has been used for for decades isn't it front of house engineers are doing that kind of thing live on, on gigs and people on stage with with pedals and yeah that it's you know so they're, they're used to doing it and that's that's recognized as as normal in that field and in classical music it's it's i mean it's so it's so rare for for mm. that side of things to be to be incorporated yeah. um did you have to sort of learn a lot yeah. in order to do that did you <laughs> oh, how, God, to, yeah. how to use a desk and all that kind I of thing i am still learning lots yeah i have a very lovely friend called liam quinn who's a mixing expert engineer he's very patient yeah. I ask a, lot of <laughs> a lot of quick be like how does this low pass feel with you um yeah i mean i i think for me it's been a case of just getting that balance between i think I'm still trying to really think of it in terms of sound and kind of the artistic quality of the, you know, the, I, I'm, I'm trying to orchestrate with it. Um, but in order to do that, like I've tried as much as I can to kind of understand the tech behind it. Cause I feel like if I understand, the more I understand that it's like an instrument, it's like an instrument, yeah. but yeah, like, like, you know, the yeah. more I understand about the cello, the better I'll be able to write for it. And I think that's the same with, with all of this, but um yeah oh my god I'm still very much like <laughs> there's still so many things to learn and I'm yeah oh, oh, I'm, I'm not that sciencey and so uh yeah Liam has to explain it in a very lovely visual way for me <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> like even watching YouTube videos about mics uh like even yeah. that is too much for my tiny <laughs> brain when it comes to... so I admire you greatly Charlotte with your huge mixing desks oh god I'm trying when you are working alongside Lloyd or with other composers, I think on the project coming up as well, there's uh, you yes. will do. Yeah, <laughs> very exciting. Um, uh, how much of it do you still work by yourself on your part of it, and how much do you bounce ideas off each other? Yeah, I mean, me and Lloyd actually we 
Yeah, we send quite a few things sort of back and forth to each other. Um, I mean, I I think it's it's kind of like anything. It's, it's a good mix. I think it's good to have a bit of time where you're just kind of in your zone and doing what you're doing. And then and then it's nice to really have a fresh pair of ears to say, is that too mad? Or what yeah. do you think of that? Um, but I, I've always really liked projects where, yeah, where there is that kind of collaboration side of it. And, and especially with other composers, because... I think I yeah I'm always really fascinated in in the process of it. I mean you know creating music and writing music it's it's pretty weird. <laughs> it's, it's a strange process and and to kind of understand how other people go about it and manage it and yeah I think the more you can kind of share that because sometimes yeah. it can be quite lonely. You know it's just you and you're just sort of in your head. It's like oh what about oh. this and yeah I, I really I really like it. Like I, I did um dance projects where um i collaborated very closely with with the dancers um a really lovely company called ballet boys oh and, um, they're brilliant they're so great yeah. <laughs> they're just amazing yeah. um, you've worked with them a couple of times haven't you charlotte Is that i right? have yeah 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 um they're so lovely yeah i did a piece with them their show 14 days with um craig revel hallward the amazing the yeah. choreographer yeah wonderful he's such yeah. a lovely man um and um and then yeah just uh, did one last year called them um for uh for their tour which is which was really cool and, and that was the uh, project where i yeah the whole idea was that i was creating it alongside the dancers and that we were very much working um as a collaborative process and it was just so nice because i i think it's so nice to get people to listen to things and hear it fresh and hear it in a very different way like dan- dancers hear music in a completely different way to how i would you know, sort of say so. So for me, I I love that. I find that really interesting and and sort of um, yeah, helpful to to the process. Um, I think the more pairs of ears, the the better. <laughs> How do they approach music then? Do they think of it in sort of? Do they count one to eight? Is that like a couple of dancers? They always seem to do that. They fires. Yeah, the, I know, I was, <laughs> they sort of think, seem to think about fame, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steps. That was Steps, at my yeah. dance party last night. Yes. Totally danced a fame at the dance party. It was movie themed. So, oh. um, yeah. It I seems like right. they count in, in sort of two bar phrases. Whereas, sort of, yeah. I mean, is that right? I've maybe I've completely know. got that wrong. I'm still not sure. I know. I mean, I, I think they're very visual, which I really like. Like, I think it's all about pulse and, and gestures. And it's mm. kind of cool, I think, actually, because I think um, rhythm takes on a very different kind of realm in, in dance it becomes very important uh, so many of their sort of dynamics and their directions and steps is, is based on rhythm which is cool for me in, in terms of you know I like, like writing rhythmic music but um but yeah no I, I think it's it is similar I guess it's it's phrases it's almost like talking in a sense it's it's sort of talking and then taking the breath and then another phrase and then and then how they're all sort of coming together um but I think what was really nice in this project was that we had parts of the piece where it was very much five, six, seven, eight, and it all sort of synced in and we had it had a beat. And then other parts where what they were doing was completely contrasting to the kind of, you know, musical feel or, or the kind of um, vibe of it. And actually in that, there's a tension in that, I think, yeah. you know, you're sort of saving it for that moment when the music and dance comes back together again. And, and, uh, and yeah, so that, that can be kind of really cool, cool in itself. But I mean, in actually in, yeah, it was in that piece. I had um, I had a uh, one of the pieces within seven sixteen. Oh wow! Which, not sure the players enjoyed that much, but <laughs> <laughs> my drummer was all over it. Lovely James Larson was all over it. It was great. Um, but to the dance to the dancers, like they didn't, you know, it was just it just sounded odd. It just sounded a bit quirky oh, yeah. and and cool and weird. And and so actually, I think yeah, it can be very freeing 
in you know writing for for dance or for that because it yeah they're they're sort of hearing it in this very visual way which is which is cool and um, what was the orchestration for the the last project that you've just done with them so it was string ensemble and percussion always sneaks some percussion ah, in there yes. yeah um, yeah so it, it was cool it was a really lovely group of uh players and um again just had some real fun in terms of the sort of production of it so putting double basses through guitar amps and using lovely big reverbs on the end of things and um yeah it was it was a really really fun project and uh really lovely piece and That's yeah pretty- my my dancing got no better having collaborated <laughs> with them but like <laughs> She feels yeah. very unflexible. <laughs> I hope you went into rehearsals in leg warmers, though, and full get up. <laughs> Do you know what? I think uh, my life could have been so different. I used to I used to work with English National Ballet, um, doing outreach stuff with them. And I always remember there was one morning where I walked in and they were like, are you here for the Nutcracker audition? <laughs> and I was just like, can I? <laughs> like, I'll give it a go. <laughs> the saxophone like check that right yeah Yeah. (laughs) sadly quite interesting to hear what what your process is and is it is it the same for every project does it does everything always start off the same way or is it is it different for each one i think i don't know even right this past piece every project i'm like right this is going to be organized this is going to be you know it's gonna <laughs> yeah. just be crafted beautifully and it never is it's uh, yeah i think i'm a very messy first writer person i just it's just messy like sketches and odd bits of things and um yeah, I think I described it to someone once actually. like, I guess if you're a sculptor and you just have a big lump of rock and you kind of know that it's in there somewhere, but you've got to just chip away at it and find it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's my process. Um, yeah, I just like sort of throwing things down and, and getting things going and, and um, improvising a lot and just messing around and playing around. And, um, and then, yeah, and then kind of sort of focusing in on things. And I mean, I, I guess it's it's that whole idea of, of composition being a craft in the sense of you have this very artistic element, but then you also have the technical element. And it's when the two things come together that, um, that you, yeah, something comes out of it. And so, uh, but yeah, I actually think I, I really, that it's that first process. It's that very first just sort of outpour of ideas and craziness that that is just always really fun <laughs> and then you're like so how do you do that do you, do you re- record yourself playing something or do you be writing on manuscript paper or are you in Sibelius or logic yeah or? Sibelius and logic actually yeah logic more and more actually I think I don't know I quite like visually just seeing things and seeing colors and shapes and um yeah, yeah. all sort of sometimes straight into Sibelius um or we'll just have a bit of a noodle at the piano or saxophone or something um yeah more and more actually I've been kind of messing around in logic first and then making sense of it in Sibelius I think <laughs> it's like oh no we're in that key like <laughs> actually yeah that the 14 days um piece for ballet boys I, I'd sort of done it all in, in logic I, I don't know why I did not all got to the end realized I was definitely in the most horrendous key for string players at the end I was like oh no, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> there's something about trying something in a different in a completely different space, like logic yeah. compared to 
traditional Western notation because you could find yourself, especially if you haven't used a click or anything, you could find yourself just in this weird thing that if you were stuck into a kind of grid system yeah. like you might do with like everything in 4-4, four, four, you could find yourself creating something completely different just because yeah, you didn't have those it. barriers. Or... I think, I've, and I've always been very much a play it by ear sort of person. I mean, you know, even now, I mean, God, my sight reading can be terrible. Like, <laughs> I just, I just, you know, I'm terrible at playing piano pieces. I, I've never, yeah, never been good at that sort of thing. But actually, weirdly, I think that's what got me into composing was the fact that I couldn't do it sort of the technical <laughs> way. I couldn't, and so it was just sort of making things up by ear. And, and, um, and yeah, so I, I've always kind of, liked doing that but then it's actually been really lovely I guess you know in the last like, 10 years coming out of college is, is is learning that craft and learning the technique and I've got geekily really into yeah making lovely scores and, <laughs> and sort of enjoying that part of the process yes. as well um and yeah I've always just thought again you know the more I can understand things and the more I can kind of get more detail out of the, the technique of it that will then feed back into that initial kind of splurge of ideas if that makes sense yeah yeah totally um, so yeah, it's but I it's it's always it is different every time. I think it's like songwriters, isn't it? It's, it's kind of that if if you knew how to do it, you wouldn't. <laughs> it's yeah. always that it's always that puzzle. I think sometimes it, it is. It's what keeps you awake at night. It's it's that puzzle that you're like, I haven't solved it yet. It's not there yet. <laughs> um, but, when yeah. you're doing um, the cross collaborative pieces, like so with the Ballet Boys, for example, um, how much are you thinking of it as your composition as a standalone? piece and how much do you think of it just as the greater picture yeah I think that's a really like cool part of doing something for stage I think especially because it's like you you've got the music but then you've got the costumes and the lighting and the dance and and actually yeah I think I was always very aware that I am one element of four or five in terms of what's actually going on um I, I weirdly I think writing for dance is is more like writing for tv sort of writing for documentaries or something like that yeah in that I think you pick your moments. I think there's there's times when the music needs to be, you know, at stage sentiment and actually taking attention away maybe from what's going on on the stage. And there's there's other times when you can really just sit in the background and, and actually less is more and, you know, you don't need to say anything um, to serve what's what's going on. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. Again, it, it's kind of this, it's another dimension of, of composing and, and kind of what might work as a piece, as it were, might not necessarily translate well on stage or you know well well for the dancers um and 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 everyone everyone needs the music to kind of serve a slightly different thing so um yeah it's it opens up a lot of interesting discussions and kind of yeah it asks a lot of questions of of what you know what is the function of the music and what does it need to be doing at that point or you know uh, what what am I trying to say as a composer I guess through through that um I mean I with that then piece I, I really I kind of wanted the ensemble to reflect what was going on on, on stage in, in quite a few ways in the sense of um, the piece was all about um, what it means to be them. The, the whole work was called Us and Them, so it's this idea of looking at different um, relationships and you know, what does it mean to be a part of them and part of a group. So the piece um, kind of really focused on all the different characteristics of the boys and all their different yeah. personalities and how that comes together and, and, and works. So I kind of tried to do a really similar thing with the ensemble as well. So having, you know, different solos, different duos and different things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's just cool because I, I don't think you'd ever... I don't know, you, there would never be that stimulus, I guess, writing a sort of programme piece or yeah. something like that. But on stage or with a dance, you know, suddenly you've got these possibilities to, to explore that kind of... Um, narrative I guess 
um which yeah which i always find really really interesting and and I did my take... dissertation on um, uh, Stravinsky ballet music. That's <laughs> why I'm being ah, so nice. geeking out about this because yeah. I absolutely, <laughs> I find it so fascinating, all those different elements coming together and, you know, about whether the music stands alone. And, and obviously his music does, <laughs> as does yours, Charlotte. Smart good. Um, <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's just, I love it. I love all the elements coming together. Like you're saying, the costume and the staging and everything, how it yeah. just all sort of yeah. comes into the mix. It's amazing. Well, I... Th- what I think is so, I mean, Stravinsky is just orchestration god forever and ever. Like, it's, yeah. I, the Firebird is like my go to <laughs> for, for everything. But I also really think, like, with Stravinsky, so much of it is in the tempos. And I think because those tempos are derived from it's, it's movement, isn't it? It's people, it's very human. I think it just adds something different to the music in that kind of way it's it's yeah it's got a very human core to it hasn't it because the the tempo is coming from that kind of movement and that dance and um yeah i think there's something really really special about that yeah cool i think that that's that's um evolved into modern dance music now and um i i mean i I was thinking about this last year and i I was at glastonbury i I watched your um i watched the the barry white thing as well um but I was just thinking about when I watched uh, John Hopkins. I don't know if you're a fan of John Hopkins, but um, and he, I was, you know, he's writing, you know, this dance music that you just connect. You know, we're there in a field of humans, and we're all connecting on the same level because it's there's a rhythm to it, which is just in rhythm with your your body and your heartbeat, and your there's something about it, and it just creates this connection that he's then. Yeah, he's then using that information and it creates a feeling yeah. um, because it's just tapping into something in the, in the same way that Stravinsky does, you know, with a ballet. Yeah. Um, and Chosen, as yeah. dancers with movement, it, it's, it's connecting ultimately to something very human. Yeah. And that's what makes, makes it listenable and enjoyable. Yeah, totally. I, I think yeah. we sort of, yeah, we, it, music is, it's so functional in that way, isn't it? Like I, I mean, I've done quite a lot of outreach stuff um with people like English Ballet and Ballet Boys and stuff with people yeah. with dementia and Parkinson's and um yes. and you know you see it there like you, you just see this function of music and how it so directly connects to people and bodies and how we move and how we feel and um yeah there's just something very very special about it isn't there it, yeah. it kind of yeah. it can you know I, I mean especially doing um they have an amazing program at Ballet Boys called Parkinson's Can Dance and um, um, I did the music for a couple of years and it's just so, it's incredible Incredible when you see, you know, you're playing a beat, you're playing a straight driving 4-4 beat and someone is able to walk across the room with so much more power and, you know, and, and they're, they're sort of fueled by the music in that kind of way. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's amazing. It just connects to something and some parts of us. And uh, yeah, it's, I think as a composer, I don't know I'm always aware of that like I'd always love to kind of tap into that and and sort of explore that as much as as much as I can hey I'm Ryan Reynolds recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass*** so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And talking about your collaborative pieces, um, community work, um, Convo. Oh, I just watched the film about yes. it this morning. Ah. That is, well, I mean, what an incredible piece. How on earth did you get that together? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've got two children and like getting them to do something together is hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was such a cool project. Yeah. It, I mean, it was a two year, two year project. Um, it was, um, so it's the Triborough Music Hub, um, the Royal Abbott Hall and the Royal College of Music um, put out a call to do a mass ensemble piece um, at the hall. And um, all of the performers, pretty much all the performers would be young people. So I think we had about 1,100, I think, um, oh. of them on stage. Wow. Mass choir and orchestra, which was so cool. The, uh, the, it was the Triborough Youth Orchestra that oh, were wow. the main ensemble. And, um, and yeah, so, we, so I sort of pitched this rather mad idea called Convo um, <laughs> and <laughs> made a big spreadsheet. Not going to lie, most, <laughs> yeah, if in doubt make a spreadsheet it's all good um it's not very artistic or whatever but um yeah it gets the job done um yeah I just had this idea you know I was, uh, went looking at the the brief for it I was like well what's different for the for you know for their generation compared to to me and the first thing that came to my mind was just communication and this idea that you know where I this makes me feel like a dinosaur but I remember getting a letter you know explaining what the internet was from school and saying this is um whereas for them you know they've just grown up with with all these kind of amazing ways to communicate and and that kind of got me on the path of thinking okay well what how has music played a role in that and me this idea of music is this universal means of communication um so yeah put together this piece that kind of charted the history of music as a means of communication um in three movements so from bird song and folk music all the way to we had live computer coding, which was really cool. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Film scores and, and all sorts. Um, but yeah, they were incredible. Like the all of the young people involved. Um, Stuart Watmore, who's the head of the Triborough Music Hope, who was wonderful. I was, he said to me right at the beginning, he said, never underestimate what young people can do if you give them the platform. And, and, and they were, I mean, it was a 72 minute piece. The choir sang it from memory. Like wow. the orchestra played to a clip, you know, they played with the film score. They did, I mean, they had a Morse code piece. It was, when I when I look back at it, I'm like, oh my God, that was actually quite mad. <laughs> um, but they just rose to the challenge of it. And um, and then they were all really involved in the in the process. I did lots of um, R&D workshops in the schools um, and with all the ensembles. So again, this idea that, you know, it wasn't a closed door as to what my process was. It was really open and they were all involved. And like we did... Um, had uh I did a graphic score part of it um so I did an exercise in one of the schools and where I sort of said you know draw, draw a line from one side of a piece of paper to the other um and then we'll perform it as a graphic score and then you've written a piece of music and we're good and there was one student who he drew a mountain and I was like that's so cool like yeah. you can have a whole mountain so we did we had a giant mountain graphic score um on the on the screen at the hall and Hopefully that little kid was in there somewhere being like, yeah. oh. it's my idea, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much. Uh, yeah. 
um so yeah it was it was great it was really cool when they show the the clip of it starting it's it's just amazing they are so like yeah. the atmosphere you can be even just watching it and like a, a short <laughs> film of it you can really feel it i felt quite moved by by the end of it when and they all look so so thrilled and you know really proud it's an amazing thing yeah. Oh, it was, I mean, to do anything at the hall is just, I mean, you know, it's such a special place and, and everyone there was so wholly on board and supportive and, and so that creates a lovely sort of environment for everyone to, to be in and, and, and yeah, they, they, it's just that amazing thing, isn't it, of, of coming together, of, um, of achieving something together and um, I think it was um, Sam West, the, the actor, he, he was there yeah. and he wrote a really lovely article about it afterwards that's saying, you know, there is such power in this idea of being a part of something that's greater that you are a part of and we're all in it together we're creating this you know big big thing and yeah um and it is it's just it's just special isn't it it's sort of that feeling i guess i mean do you guys still feel that i guess you know in terms of playing in orchestras and stuff it must be yeah. such a great feeling just to be like oh more than ever at yeah. the moment because we're, we're all missing it so much yeah. that i i always feel myself i on the odd occasion that I've done anything as a soloist, it, it's a lot of stress and it, it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And you, after it's finished, you go, oh, well, that was good. Yeah, maybe I could do more of that, try, try and do more of that. But it's those times where I'm stood on stage with 10 of my mates and we've just done a set and that is the best thing ever. Yeah. But, yeah. And often things when you, you've put on a show which no one's asked you to do, it was your idea, you came up with it and you've put all the work in and it's like we we made this all ourselves. Yeah, we did this. That, yeah. that is the best feeling. It yeah. really is. Yeah, I think. Yeah. and I mean, I think like that. I guess that sort of applies to composition as well. Like, I, I, a huge part of the convo project, I, I felt my job for it was to kind of really open up this idea of everyone can compose. Everyone is, you know, there, there's so many ways into writing music. It's there's a yeah. way in for sort of everyone because it's that amazing feeling of of sort of I did that. Like that's mine. That's my song. That's my piece, and it's being performed. And it's being played, and it is an that's an amazing feeling, and that's it's that gratification. But yeah, it's it's something that's that I own, um, and yeah, it's it's just such a good good thing to sort of <laughs> share and put out in the world. When did you start composing? Have you always done it? Yeah, I mean, it goes again back to not being able to play the piano, if I'm really honest. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, I, yeah, I mean, I have a very noisy musical family and my dad was always writing songs and, and has always sort of, yeah, written things. But um, I guess the sort of composing, composing idea came, yeah, when I was trying to play piano pieces just couldn't play them so just made it my own that I could play and then, <laughs> um, didn't go down well when I tried to do that in a sight reading exam that didn't work but um, <laughs> don't do that kids it doesn't work um but yeah so then and then I was learning the saxophone and so that sort of went through to you know can I can I write a piece for for me to play and I was I had a really lovely saxophone teacher called Richard Ingham and he was feeding me all these cool pieces like you know Turnage pieces and Dave Heath and I was, we were playing folk tunes and jazz and and so I guess the, the, my first sort of actual sort of written down piece was there. I wrote a concerto for soprano sax called Voyage that was this kind of jazzy folky mashup thing um, and uh, and yeah that was I guess I was was I just A starting A 
Um, and that was the piece that got me to college. But I, I always remember when I got to RCM, it was, everyone was like, so you're a composer? And I was like, am I? <laughs> like, <laughs> do I get a badge? Like, <laughs> I, for so long, I was just like, no, but really, like, to, when when can you call yourself that? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, yeah. So but I, it's, I think, yeah, it's just always come from this idea of just wanting to, to just make things. And um, mm. yeah. And- so you learned with with Mark Anthony Turnage, um, and I, I've always I've always wondered what what's the the teaching process of composition is like at somewhere like Royal College of Music because um, I've always when I was you know when I'd see lessons going on I'm like how do they how do the teachers say whether something's right or wrong when a composer can I mean by this point in in musical history you can write anything you want yeah. you don't have to follow any rules um, so. <laughs> So how can a composition teacher say, that's not right, do it like this? Yeah. Or is, I mean, is it done like that or is it, is it taught? Or do you have, do you, is it simply you have to learn the rules before you can break the rules? I don't know. I mean, I, I guess it kind of depends on, on different people and different teachers. And that's the amazing thing about, yeah, writing music that one person's right is another person's wrong. And, um, yeah. I mean, I think I was very lucky. I was so lucky, um, being taught by Mark because he was, I mean, he was very practical. It was very much, you know, your scores need to work, as in, like, there cannot be mistakes in your scores. Like, you need to get really good at <laughs> presenting yeah. a score because the bottom line is that, you know, if you have mistakes in the rehearsal, it costs you time and it costs you, you know, yeah. the, the sort of music that you could get across. You're just talking about, is it an F sharp or G? You know, like that. So he was yeah. he was really hot on that. Um, and so a, a lot of time it was, it was things like that. It was a very, I, I almost sort of think it was, it was very vocational. Like, you know, he'd take me to rehearsals. He'd um, let me sit in on, you know, his, his sort of dress runs for stuff. Like he was doing Anna Nicole at the time. Oh which yeah. Which was great. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Um, yeah. So I went to the rehearsals for that. And so, yeah, it was, it was very much, you know, this is the, I guess the job of being a composer and this is how you need to go about mm. it. Um, but artistically, I mean, you know, yeah, there were there were sort of various processes, I guess, that he sort of introduced me to. I mean, I think I always remember I had a big sort of breakthrough melodically, like having just written jazz tunes and folk tunes for years. <laughs> um, he really opened up, I think, my ears to to how you can use melody and how you can pivot and change things. And and, and so kind of like, I guess, sort of themes like that and, and chords and, and ways that you can sort of um, follow processes through perhaps for chords. But 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 it was never a kind of it's this or nothing kind of scenario at all. I mean, I think I wrote a Tom and Jerry score at one point. <laughs> you know, like he, but he was totally cool with it. And I was writing drum kit pieces, and yeah, goodness knows what. And and it, yeah, it, it was never a kind of this is what you need to be saying artistically. It, it very much allowed me to be me. But it was just here are hints and processes and tips and and things. But with this backbone of. But whatever you do, it needs to be, yeah, it needs to be. Yeah, yeah, proud. that's great. That's, that's a really well-rounded education. I'd yeah, say. yeah. That that, especially that side of things is that we've talked about this before. Where, uh, as performers, that the actual um, practical sides of, of the job aren't really taught or yeah. weren't really yeah. to me. Things like, and you know, I I didn't do any sort of or- orchestration lessons at college, but actually, a lot of what I do now is like arranging for my band and 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 writing and, and delivering parts to people and and it's really important to get it to get those parts as sight readable as possible with no mistakes on yeah. it i spend more time doing that than actually yeah. <laughs> arranging a lot of the time 
Um, yeah. And yeah, you learn those things. Well, well I've learned that sort of just doing it in on the, in the job. But um, that's that's great to have that at, at an early age yeah. ingrained in you. Cut out mm-hmm. loads of hours of nightmare <laughs> in the career. Yes. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I always remember him saying, you know, you. you but you have that sort of panic don't you on your last lesson you're like oh god (laughs) (laughs) tell me what I need to do but I remember him saying like actually the biggest thing is that you're just going to learn to teach yourself and that's you know and that's that's how you have to and and I think that's something yeah I mean as I say I mean I especially with all this um electronic side of things and all of that you know learning logic learning how to do sort of audio music or anything like that yeah it, it all becomes just you learn you having a good method of learning to teach yourself if that makes sense yeah. that sounds very convoluted but um and has he come to see any of your things that you put on or have you sent him uh, anything yeah he's so lovely yeah he's, he was he was just always so supportive and brilliant um, yeah i i'm very very lucky to sort of have that have that encouragement and um yeah no we actually did a lot of talking about football as well in my lessons <laughs> thinking about it ah uh, that <laughs> was another thing <laughs> all right here's but now this is another thing i have in large letters in my book so i assume it's wrong <laughs> i'm gonna start from the point of view that it is wrong um newcastle united is it yeah oh good yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah all my dad's family are from newcastle so we had no choice um it's uh, <laughs> It's emotional. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, Have you managed to weave anything into your work, like any homage to Newcastle United? (laughs) Do you know what my dream is? One day, one day. Um, So when Newcastle run out, they run out to the Mark Knopfler tune, the local hero. Yeah. I don't know what it is about that tune. It makes me cry. It's that middle (gasps) section every time. Um, So yeah, that would be the dream to like get my saxophone out and go and play it at St James's Park. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. yes. One day, one day, I'll be like, hello. That's going to be our latest <laughs> campaign on here. I would like to have a campaign. Yeah. That's the next one. Definitely. Oh I, I don't know why that's not happening. I reckon the first game back once once football starts again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll get you there. Okay. Yeah. Love it. Honestly, I, I know I'm buying yes. I went actually just before I went in the end of February. Um it was an awful game. It was nil nil. It was oh. really bad. But um oh but it's worth going to St. James's Park just for that moment, just for when they run out and they play local hero and play Blade and Races, which I only know the first verse of and then get embarrassed because I'm like, Talking about composition, um, how has it changed in the last 10 years? And how has that changed from 50 years ago? And how has it changed from, you know, well, 200 years ago? I'm interested in, in how as communication has, has got better and um, technology. Mm, yeah. How, uh, but I, I imagine it's probably changed quite a lot just in the last 10 years. Yeah, I, I think say. so. I mean, I think, um, I think it's just becoming so diverse which is great in mm. so many in so many different aspects, just in terms of, you know, what's being written and, and how it's being written, the fact that we are now getting this kind of electronic acoustic hybrid sort of approach to, to things, um, different instruments that are being used, like, you know, amazing people like Gabriel Prokofiev and Shiva, like, doing the turntables yeah. and stuff, like, that's really cool. Um, I mean, I, I mentioned it, um, in Convo we had uh, Sonic Pi, who check it out it's amazing it's it's basically computer coding where you're coding music so it's it's like a sequencer but you're coding it so 
anyone who's good at coding and good at typing can now write music and create music. Um, that sounds amazing. A, I'm going to write that a, down. Yeah, honestly, it's <laughs> Sam Aaron. He's an incredible guy. Um, and um, and uh, yeah, so I just think that, you know, the ways in which people can get into composing uh, are just getting more and more uh, diverse and open, which is which is great because, as I say, you get all these incredible crossover projects. And I mean, I think, you know, Charles... Hazelwood always says this to me that, that there's always a time for the Beethoven and the Brahms and all of that and of course there is and yes. there's, there's so much to still dig out and find in those pieces and, and learn from those pieces my goodness um but it's just exciting to think that yeah you know an orchestra is going to look very different in the next 10 years to how it looked 10 years ago I mean our concert halls probably are going to look very different you know and, <laughs> and where where people are experiencing music and I mean yeah amazing things like the Street Orchestra of London I wrote a piece for them and that was great. Like they did a concert in Dalston Square, and here's everyone just dancing along to some, you know, <laughs> symphony in Dalston Square. So, I, yeah, I just, I just think the whole kind of um, what it means to be a composer, I guess, is is just broadening, um, yeah. which is great because then so many more people can can be involved with it and get involved with it. And yeah, I sometimes see adverts on YouTube before a video loads up, um, and it's for people that make beats, and it you can like download like a bunch a bunch of files which have chord sequences in so that it's like to download a chord sequence and it's not so it's not something you've composed yourself but it's like these chord sequences work <laughs> so just stick these into your beats and and i know that is not music making but <laughs> but but you know at the end of the day a piece of music is going to be created yeah. and that who knows where that will lead it, that might be a way in for for some yeah. musicians yeah. not doing a you know, and so that's that's a new thing. Yeah, I think yeah. The, the scaffolding for it has, has, yeah, just become so much more accessible. And we all need scaffold. You know, I need something to sort of get me going or get into it. And um, yeah. and yeah, things like that. Are, it, it's great because it it just gets the ball rolling, doesn't it? And yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, makes it something. Uh, yeah, again, hopefully not everyone will do the same thing. Otherwise, we just all have music that sounds the yeah. same. But it, <laughs> but if it just yeah. kind of yeah, you know, I think it's I think especially for for young composers, um, you know, people ask me a lot, especially in terms of sort of schools and you know teaching composition because that's it's really hard. You know, where, where do you start? Um, and I've always sort of said, you know, the it's it's all about having scaffolding and, and devices and, and things that people can latch onto or that might ignite an, an idea or you know a sort of process mm. or something like that and then this idea that you then always take that and make it your own and it's that's a huge part of composing is 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 having that voice and saying something with what it is that you're working with um but yeah no i mean yeah things like garage band are great like, yeah <laughs> I, I read where was yeah. it do you know the producer hudson mohawk who's great yeah, yeah really yeah. cool um I, I saw a tv it was a tv thing and he was sort of saying you know he's first started producing on the playstation he had one of those games where you could like drop things in on the playstation like, how great is that That's, yeah exactly <laughs> it's very cool <laughs> yeah so, you just drag and drop a few things and you've you've got a sound world immediately yeah you compare that to, to what you know when you know beethoven was around <laughs> you'd have to you'd write it all out, hire an orchestra and then see how it sounded. And then you'd probably go back and maybe after the second playthrough, you go, well, let's, yes. uh, <laughs> well, we yeah. need to cut that bit, yeah. whatever. And so it's such a long winded process. Yeah. Um, and you, I guess you just develop different skills in that time. You'd be better at mm. writing it out by hand and you'd, you'd hear it in your head a lot more. Um, mm. Or you'd, someone would play on the piano and then you'd 
I don't know. It's just a, it's a completely different skill set. So it sounds like if they're doing things that are on PlayStation now, it's far more likely that these days there's there's a chance there's going to be a whole host of teenage boys who are going to be going to be composers yeah. of the next generation. I, think so. <laughs> yeah, I have I have two sisters, so we were not PlayStation. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, yeah no, I think this is it I think like you know for as I say especially doing outreach projects and stuff like that it's it's so important I think to just keep sharing this idea that composing music is for everyone you music meets everyone at their level whether it's just a special song that you dance to every so often or whether you want to go mic- microtonal flute music <laughs> everyone can you know everyone can kind of come yeah. at it um for how it suits them and and that applies to both playing music and writing music as well and and yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's cool. I think it's exciting. And um, yeah, I feel lucky to be involved with um, orchestras like the Power Orchestra because I feel like they really are the cutting edge of, of what's possible and what's happening and, and asking those questions as to, you know, what does it mean to be a composer these days and um, how, how is that going to sort of evolve? So, so talking of which, Charles started alluding to a project coming up later in the year. Fingers crossed, later yeah. in the year, um, a Beethoven project. Have you, yeah. have you started on this now? And can you tell us yeah. anything? <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, we had one R and D um, just before Christmas, which was great. Again, the Power Orchestra are brilliant at this. They always have R and D sessions for things. Always time to try things out and to, um, to involve everyone, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, started started ideas and, and sketches as to um, how we kind of get into his head, I guess. Um, I mean, it's it's been so fascinating for me, I think, to kind of learn about his process. You know, we, we hold Beethoven as this genius, and he was a genius, but I think there's a lot of very human effects that come with that. You know, there's it's a balance, isn't it? And, um, you know, he, he had to deal with some really, really hard things. And... Um, and I think you can hear that in his music and um, it's it's sort of weirdly comforting, I think, to kind of, yeah, break, get into his process as to how, how he put something together and sort of peel back the curtain, as it were, and, and get into the inner workings. I mean, they, they gave us these amazing um, like images of uh, some of the, the sketches. And they, to be honest, they look like graphic scores. They're amazing. I, I did some experiments with, with some gestures where it was like, don't look at it as music, but just look at it as a graphic score. So like splodges of ink and like squiggles and things crossed out in a really angrily way. And, you know, like, what, what would they sound like? And, you know, how would you how would you make that sound? Um, and that was really interesting because, it, yeah, it just sort of felt like you were just getting to to the, to the him and, and, and to how he put it all together. And I mean, I, I think it's something that composers have to sort of, navigate a lot of the time is that you, you know you have the big performance at the end and the piece and and it's great you know it's, it's amazing but there is a very human and very real kind of side to getting to that point that we don't often really talk about and yeah. um it's yeah it's sort of weirdly therapeutic to, to have a look at that and and process that and talk about it and and uh yeah it's, it's gonna be a really really cool project we're doing a little spotify playlist to accompany to accompany the podcast, um, oh, it's great. Nice. It's eclectic, I can tell you. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> have you got anything at the moment that you're specifically started listening oh. to in lockdown? Maybe. Do you know what? It's a Charles Hazelwood um, special. Hang on, let me find. Let me find this. Um, it's got a really cool name, and I want to make sure I get it right. Um, yeah, every so often, Charles sends me an email like, "Have you heard this?" And it's always really, really cool. James Holden. 
electronic Ooh. sort of artist guy. It's very right. cool. And there's one, called, there's one called the Caterpillars Intervention that's just my jam at the moment. It's, it's yeah, it's saxophone, like, heaven. It's really cool. It's just lots of crazy saxophone. Um, A good one. Yeah, have a listen to that. It's very cool. There we go. Oh, thanks, Charlotte. She's so great. She sent me a message saying, I'm really sorry for all the giggling, but oh, I was just sitting back (laughs) and thought, you lovely girl. (laughs) No, she was really nice. Yeah, she was uh, really great to chat to. She had a, yeah, a lovely giggle, but uh, (laughs) it was nice. It was was genuine laughter and it uh, it was a really, really fun chat. It was. Invigorating conversation. It was, and she's so... um, interesting and eloquent and so many of the things she was saying she was talking about quite complex te- bits of technique and I really got what she was saying because she just made everything very accessible and I think that must yeah. have loads to do with that she, I mean obviously she does loads of work with music education and stuff and I just think she'd be a brilliant communicator unlike me trying to say this yeah. simple sentence <laughs> and me just trying to ask a simple question well <laughs> I, I tried to rephrase it to charlotte earlier i was like what i was trying to say was this and i still couldn't do it <laughs> brilliant yeah oh and we need to um we need to get charlotte on the pitch at newcastle united yeah we've made this big promise and we have to We're see this it. one through i just think we need to get her up there and uh well we can get her up there oh, yeah, we can. Well, i guess we we could just Get her to stand outside St James's Park and uh, and do it. Is that so, our cop out? Our cop out option. <laughs> just... That'd be the easiest way to do it. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, we could get because they've got cardboard cutouts of people, haven't they, in the stadium? Yeah. If yeah, we could get yeah. a cardboard cutout of her in there, then all we need to do is send up a bit of audio. Bosh, done it. Yeah, I don't think that's exactly <laughs> what she wants to happen. But, uh... <laughs> but as soon as the crowds are allowed back at St James's Park, then. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Mike Ashley, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. Come on. I'm sure he I'm sure is he listening. Is. Yeah. I'm going to send it to him. Yeah. <laughs> um, get, get Charlotte there. Come on. Yeah. She'd be um, awesome. And if you don't know the song, then go and have a listen to it now. It's brilliant. Yeah. Local Hero. Yeah. It's on our and list. Watch the, watch the film Local Hero, too. That's really good. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Brilliant film. Oh. It's, uh, there's actually a musical coming out which was going to come out this summer at, at the Old Vic. Yeah. But I don't know what's happened now. I'm sure it'll come back. Um, but so yeah, they've made it into a musical. Too. Oh, wow. It's, a, it's a sort of a comedy uh, thing about um, some rich Americans that want to buy this bit of Scotland to, for whatever reason. And, yeah. Um, this guy goes over to, yeah. uh, to Scotland and has to kind of do a bit of groundwork down there. But then he gets charmed by the locals. And, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's very, very good. Yeah, yeah. And a great, great soundtrack by Mark Knopfler. Oh, there we go. Great plug. Yeah. <laughs> so if, it, if it's another horrible day, because it's been a bit, a bit rainy this oh, it week, really has, find yeah. a copy of Local Hero. <laughs> yeah, after Glastonbury is finished, because, oh my yeah. God, that has been brilliant. I know it's not the same yeah. as being there by a half, by a million times, but it's <laughs> so great watching it back, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I felt, you know, I felt kind of quite sad at the start of the week because it was like, oh, this would be when we'd be preparing to go to Glastonbury. Yeah. And then, 
Um, but actually, uh, watching it on telly and it, it being on and, and people sort of uh, tweeting along and texting, yeah. are you watching this? It actually really feels like you're, you're there. Yeah, it does. Connect, connecting on a human level. Quite right. Quite right. Uh, which bit have you enjoyed most so far? Um, I enjoyed, I sat on my bed and I watched Fontaine's DC. Oh, cool. Idols. Yeah. Uh, re- reliving that moment from last year. <laughs> uh, what? But I. Was, what did I see the other night? Um, what was the big one? Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce. Yes. Oh, she was awesome. That was. I mean, it was immense, wasn't it? Yeah. That was twenty eleven. God. Yeah. Really, such. Um, what was I? Tr- I was trying to compare it. What was on early in the day on that Beyonce day? Oh. Hmm. I'm going to look it up because... Uh, I don't know. We saw was, Sharon Von Essen just this. before her, who was oh. also amazing. Completely different thing, obvs. But, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, also great. great. Was it Florence and um, the Machine? Oh, yeah. No, it was... Um, we watched uh, Radiohead oh, from yeah. 9 to 7. Yeah. Uh, which, which is often sort of quoted as being the best set ever from Glastonbury. And it, it was, of course, like, I was, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved Radiohead. But then I watched Beyonce. Yeah. And it, I mean, they're completely different things. It's hard, you can't compare them. But, no. but that show, it, I mean, there's just so much more going on in that show. Yes, absolutely. It, and she's singing live and she's dancing. Yeah. And, and she's like, she's like a god, isn't she? Yeah. I mean, it's just choreographed to like the finest of details, isn't it? It's amazing. And yeah. I was reading that literally just before she went on stage, she was throwing up with morning sickness. Yeah. What? Oh, my God. That's she, amazing. I mean, she really is a total legend for that alone. Like, even if she just stumbled on stage with a bit of sick down her front, I'd have still admired <laughs> her because that would have been more than what I'd have done at that time. But good on if, you. If she just if she just dragged a settee on stage <laughs> and then opened up a Ben and & Jerry's and just sat <laughs> And cried. Watching, telly yeah Yeah. cried and sort of sang along yeah it would have um but anyway yeah sorry if if anyone from radiohead is listening then i I don't mean any offense please you are my favorite band (laughs) or maybe maybe bonnie but also my favorite band but um (laughs) i watched the bonnie fair one as well from 2009 yeah it was uh we saw a bit of rem was on the iplayer Oh, yeah? Yeah, R-E-M. that was great. Rob was there that year, so he was particularly excited to watch that. That was good. Brilliant. Yeah. I just saw some Kylie Minogue. Ah, oh, from the Legends. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was great. I, I was lucky to be there last year to watch that as well. Oh, great. So it was about, it was a packed, it was the biggest, I think, biggest crowd they'd ever had at the Pyramid stage. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that, yeah, it was brilliant. Oh. Uh, by that point of the of the weekend, I was quite tired and uh, <laughs> a bit drained but um but that really lifted me oh it's really nice to watch that again very good um, but actually interesting oh have you been there before no Brenton? i'm really sad about this because uh basically i was at school just down the road to there but they used to yeah. I, I might have said this actually to charles i oh, think yeah, yeah, yeah they used to basically timetable our orchestral weekends to coincide with Glastonbury as a complete ruse to stop us going but I'm determined and actually the more I think I'm desperate to go I've got family who live down there so surely that I can wangle a ticket somehow (laughs) yeah yeah I really want to go (laughs) um I yeah I mean actually this year I mean I've been going on about how how sad I am not to be there but I actually wasn't going to be able to go no we were going to be doing Evita yes um 
but um, that got cancelled too. But I was actually quite, in a way, pleased that Glastonbury did get cancelled because uh, I couldn't go anyway. So, yeah, so next uh, year, next year. So it was just better that, that no one got to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll just all go next year, right? I mean, the lengths you've gone to, to to stop it happening are extreme. Getting out, getting yourself out to a wet market in Wuhan. Oh, God. It's uh, just terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I think worth it. Yeah, it, worth was, it totally anyway. was. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, anything else yeah. this week been going on? Um, this week? Uh, no, not really. No, that's, <laughs> quite. That's about it. Yeah. We did uh, We did another play-along symphony oh, on, course. Uh, on Friday, which which was Marla 2, which on, the, on one of the hottest days of the year. Uh, but, you know, well, well done to like the 12 legends that turned up oh, to do well it Oh, well done. Zoom. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> I was uh, actually doing a concert in my garden that day, so... Yeah, that's okay. Ch- the been, cello was out, you, yeah. You've been doing concerts and are you, you're starting a, a concert recital thing? Well, let me just... Uh, oh. it's, a one, it's a one day, it's a one day affair. One day? Yeah, let, wow. let me tell you about it. It is, it's Please called do. Estilo Fest or Festilo. <laughs> oh God, yeah, sorry, cool. I hate myself for that. Um, but it, it's next Friday and it's going to be a full day. Literally, there's going to be a concert on every hour between dusk and dawn so the first one's 4 45 in the morning i think i know that's not on the hour but that's the first one and then uh what? i know Who, who's watching that uh, i have no idea maybe people who've, who've got small babies i don't know oh right <laughs> who's um, doing that one then rob's gonna do that one <laughs> i'm not i'm oh. not gonna be anywhere near that one don't worry um yeah <laughs> or, so we're gonna go all day we've got loads of guests so there's lots of people who play in the quartet we're actually gonna play as a quartet, which is very exciting, uh, in the yeah. garden again, so we can socially yeah. distance. But so we get, yeah, and it's all going to be on uh, Instagram Live and Facebook Live throughout the day. Um, and it's really cool. And actually, Phil Donnelly, who was our first guest on this podcast, is going to do a set. Um, yeah, yeah that, I mean, all kinds of people. Lots What's he going to do? Is he going to. You don't, don't know, know yet. I is, don't I mean, know. He said he's going to do possibly do a duet, so I don't know with whom or what. I'm mm. excited to find out. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh, well, well done. That sounds like a big thing to organise. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I'm quite a little bit in the background of the organisation, so I'm very excited <laughs> about playing. Can't wait. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I think we're, our old Dirty Brasses are going to do something next week after next we're going to film something yes are you uh, together oh that's brilliant from from the well from the fourth isn't it you're you're yeah able to go out and do some where you can meet up with more people yes exactly so do you know um, what you're going to do have you got is that can you talk about it yet um i don't know if we can actually oh well, we'll just have to wait and find out that's very wait and find out very 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 exciting so I need to start uh, start cranking my my chops up again. <laughs> I know, I feel like that. Grassroots level. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. God, I started trying to read through some uh, solo bark the other night, and I went in hard. I went in on the sixth week. Very tricky. Um, oh, Gordon Bennett wasn't pleasant. Oh, <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. I I find um, well solo trumpet stuff. Uh, it's just really hard. Yeah, because like, there's no. There's no time off, and no. trumpets don't usually do that. I can't do that at all. Oh no! At the moment, I just feel like an absolute failure. 
for trying to play any studies. Oh, God. Do that one study, go, that, that's me for done for you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm going back to basic scales. <laughs> yeah. It's all Even good. I can't remember how they go. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, great. Well, uh, any, anything else to plug? I mean, I think I've, I'm plugged up to the max there. Estilo yeah. Fest, that's the thing. But, um, Guys, check out Estilo yeah, Fest. Check it out. Estilo. Next Friday. The what date? Oh, now, come on. What is, is it July? It is July. <gasps> it is. July, wow. Ooh, is it July the 3rd? The second half of the year. Um, yeah. July the 3rd, mm, isn't it? it is, Friday. Yeah. July the 3rd. There yeah. it is. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, yeah, no, I think that's that's going to be my whole week tied up, isn't it? That and we've got a we've got a podcast to record, haven't we, on Wednesday? So it's yeah. all go, all go in the world. Yes, yeah, excellent. <laughs> well, I hope you're all having a lovely week, you guys at home yeah. or wherever you are. Maybe you're out out of your home now. Maybe you've uh, you've gone onto a, a train, or maybe <laughs> you're cycling along a road. But whatever you like to do, uh, thank you for listening and. Um, yeah check in next uh, next monday we'll have another one for you yes um so uh cheers everyone uh take care bye bye What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. <laughs> 